Well, Back to the Future has been our theme all year. And, um, you know, we're about, it's about reclaiming something of the DNA of the early church. They had some stuff which we need to reclaim and um, bringing that forward in today. And this week I had the privilege of hearing a, a Māori proverb, which I'm not going to quote to you in today because I can't. But in essence, it meant this. Correct me if I need to be corrected afterwards. <laughs> but in essence, it meant this. It meant we walk into the future, but we're facing backwards. And, and the, the, the point of the proverb is that um, what can we learn from the past as we walk into the future? And what do we need to hold in tension from the past as we walk into the future? I think it's very, very powerful. It's deep if you think and, and just wrestle with that for a little while. And so one of our series, which we've been doing, which comes to an end today, is faith. Because we know faith pleases God. And it's essential. It's not an optional extra. Faith is essential in our journey as a disciple because it it pleases God. I remember um, I had the privilege of sitting in Pastor Clark Taylor's home one time uh, talking with him. um, And he said to me, Sheridan, you don't need more faith. You need less unbelief. And it's stuck. You don't need more faith because as small as a mustard seed will achieve what God's asking you to achieve. What we need is less unbelief. That actually allows us to step into what God has called us to step into. I thought it was very, very powerful. Faith, you see, is the confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us the assurance about things we cannot see. Well, today we would like to anoint every person that wants to be with oil. We want to anoint every person with oil. We're believing for a fresh impartation of the Holy Spirit. We're believing for a uh, rejuvenation of faith and a refreshing of intimacy. That's what we're believing for. As a a leadership team, that's what we're believing for today. I, I believe that if you open yourself to God and you allow him, you will leave full. You will leave full. And some of that's up to you. Most of it's up to God. We just let him fill us. But we've got to open ourselves to him. And so I believe he wants to do this. That He wants a fresh impartation of his, his spirit for every person, a rejuvenating of faith, a refreshing of intimacy for you, for you today. And um, looking forward to that. That'll be later on. So I saw a prophetic picture as I was preparing for today. And uh, I'm going to bring the picture up. You need to forgive the pictures. I've hand-drawn them. So I saw Cornel Walken, the artist, and I just feel like putting my head in my hands and going, oh dear, Cornel's going to see my artwork. And, um, but but it's, not, it's not about good art. I'm just encouraging myself right now, okay? <laughs> Encourage myself in the Lord. It's not about great art. It's about making a point. Can you bring up the first one, please, Kit? Fantastic. That's right. That's right. It's not too bad. I talked it down so you'd be, oh, that's not as bad as you thought. Well, one of our team members did say when they saw it out back before the start, it looks like a five-year-old did it. I know, that's a team member. I would never never mention the name Rob to anybody, but it's a Dutch gene, eh? Just says what he thinks. I saw this picture. I saw a bottle of water labelled holy water. And in the bottom, that's a gem. 
And what did you think it was? It's a hey, hey, for you guys down the back that are really trying to see, we're going to make a few changes in here so you will be able to see going forward, just so you know, because we're aware it's not working the best. Um, that's a gem in the bottom. And it's, it's covered in dirt and it's covered in grime and it's packed and you can't even see it's a gem because it's covered in dirt and it's just sitting in that bottle and as long as it sits in that bottle, it doesn't matter what the label is, it just looks like that. That, that was the first half. The second half of the picture, that's a sieve in case you're really trying to work that way out. <laughs> that looks a little more like a five-year-old. I just think of Hannah, who works day and night ensuring that the graphics and everything for the church are beautiful and professional. She's amazing. And she'll be sitting somewhere right now going, I can't believe you put that on the screen, Sheridan. Anyway, this, this is a sieve. And, and the, the blue's water. <laughs> and the green thing in the bottom's a gem. And this one represents living water. The water is flowing in and it's flowing through. And on the process of flowing through, what it does is it cleans all the gunk, all the dirt, everything off the gem, which actually reveals a gem which is beautiful and of high value. But it doesn't happen in the holy water. It happens in the living water. Because the living water is flowing. The living water is alive. There's something in it that the living water can agitate you. If you come into church week, oh, I'm off script. Here we go. If, if you come into church every week and nothing ever agitates you, maybe you're in the bottle. Maybe you're in the bottle. Because living water will agitate you. Because it's cleaning you up. And it's revealing your purpose and your value and who you are. And that comes via way of a little bit of agitation, generally. Flow and purpose. I went and did some study because I didn't know much about holy water. And um, holy water is regarded as many as sacramental. And it represents Jesus' baptism. It's said that because John the Baptist was uh, sorry, John's baptism was for sin and Jesus was sinless. The result was the water of the Jordan was blessed, i.e. holy water. I'm not going to comment. I just don't agree with it. <laughs> the water was blessed. So from my perspective, and remember I'm talking to a prophetic picture here, Holy water is about rituals. It's about, uh, and it probably represents religion, maybe even uh, legalism. And it's about traditions that nothing seems to come out of. They look good, but nothing seems to come out of them. And as I understand it, it's interesting, there's actually no references in the New Testament to holy water whatsoever. So what I'm trying to say with holy water is it's um, in the prophetic picture, it's, it's, it's um, representing forms and traditions. Well, and there's nothing wrong with forms and traditions. They can actually be really helpful. But what it's, um, it's, it's representing man-made stuff. Yeah. And man-made stuff that looks godly. It might have the right label on it, but it's got no power. Yeah. It's got no relevance. So the net outcome is it's, uh, there's no transformation. 
There's none. No transformation, no life. And where there is an absence of life, there is death. No power. The gospel, when I was looking at the gem and everything else, the phrase came to my mind, you know, the gospel is not about pomp. It's about power. It's not about how it looks. It's about power. And there's something of the power of God that the Western church needs to pick up again and step into with expectation because it's not about pomp. It's about power. God wants to move. I believe we're coming into a season where God really, really wants to move. Now, the living water, on the other hand, it's found in the Old Testament, or the First Testament, and the New Testament. It's found in both places. In the Old Testament, it's found in Jeremiah chapter 2 and chapter 17. In chapter 2, it says this, For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, And they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no more water at all. Jeremiah 17, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who turn away from you will be disgraced. They will be buried in the dust of the earth, for they have abandoned the Lord, the fountain of living water. What can we learn there? God is the fountain of living water. God is the fountain. I just had this prophetic thought earlier this morning. Well, not prophetic, just this thought. That, that I think we need to change our, shift our language a little bit in church. We talk about God a lot. <laughs> and that's okay. <laughs> that's, that's why we're here. <laughs> but we, I, I think we need to shift our, our language. Because see, when we talk about the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, God's not a very intimate word. God's a... Yeah. And, and Jesus came, he died, he hung on the cross, he died. He paid for our sins... Rose back to life. Why? Because he is the gateway and the only gateway to God. No, it doesn't say that. It says to the Father. To the Father. And I really wonder if one of the things we need to reclaim is our language is Father. You know, Jesus paid an incredible price to connect us to Father. And we journey with our Father. And the one that we are becoming intimate with is our Father. And I wonder if that's the, the thought for free. You get that one totally free. So, so God is the fountain of living water. And the mistake that the Israelites made, were number one, they abandoned him. And not only did they abandon him, but they looked to man-made objects as a substitute for what they needed to find in God. You probably won't want to put up your hand, but is there any of us there this morning? Looking in man-made stuff for what can only be found in God. Only be found in God. Because at the end of the day, it's holy water. When water doesn't move, when it stays still for long enough, it becomes stagnant. When it becomes stagnant, it becomes a place of death. And if there's enough water that is stagnant and a place of death and there's no boundaries or banks, it becomes a swamp. It's just a place of disease. It's a place of all sorts of things happen in the swamps. Go to the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, and John all talk about living water. In John, I'm only going to John today, John chapter 4, the uh, Samaritan woman at the well. Jesus said, you know, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask for living water. Living water. But I just want to spend a moment in John chapter 7. Now, it's fascinating that I'm speaking about this today because Josh led our prayer before our gatherings. And he quotes the exact verses that I'm speaking from for us to pray into today. 
with no idea what I'm speaking from. So I thought that was good. I think God's saying something. So, so Jesus, in, in this passage, Jesus promises living water. It says this from verse 37. <coughs> Excuse me. On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. Now there's a festival happening called the Festival of Shelters. And part of the Festival of Shelters, it goes for a week, part of the Festival of Shelters is a water ceremony. Once a day, they would take water and they would pour it out on the altar. But on the seventh day, they did that water ceremony seven times. So the picture is there's water everywhere. Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet entered his glory. When the crowds heard him say this, some of them declared, surely this is the prophet we've been expecting. Others said, he is the Messiah. But still others said, but he can't be. Living water is a picture of the Holy Spirit being poured out on you and on me. There's no limit. Endless supply. Endless supply. Wow, I get music background. (laughs) When we give our lives to God through Christ, the Holy Spirit becomes resident in you. At that moment. I'm not talking about baptism in the Holy Spirit at the moment. The Holy Spirit moves in when you give your life to Christ. He takes residence in you. Living water in you. That's powerful. Think about that for a minute. Living water in you. You know, he confirms our relationship with the Father. He helps us pray. He reveals the truth. He helps us overcome our old nature. He gives us power to witness. He transforms us. Kit, do you want to just go to the next slide for a minute? Thank you. He flows through. He reveals your value. Every person in this room is of high value. Every person in this room, as Jan said, is loved by God incredibly. He loves you to bits. You may not even be able to see it, but you're a value. You're of high value. You're a jewel. See, that jewel's of incredibly high value because if you can see it, it's green. was always going to be green. It's a very high value. You're of incredibly high value to God. And he wants to wash over your life. He wants living water to flow through your life so that you become all he's called you to become. It's not going to make him love you any more or any less, but he wants you to become your potential. He wants you to step into that place where by faith, By faith, they did this. By faith, they did that. By faith, they built an ark. By faith, they hid the spies. It's allowing the flowing, the the river of life, the Holy Spirit, to work in us, to flow through us because He transforms us and He reveals our value and our purpose. The bottom line is this this morning. We all need fresh flowing, living water to live the faith life we've been called to. All of us. All of us. That's why it's so essential that we're experiencing living water and not, in the context of this message, holy water. 
And this morning, that's why, or today, that's why we're going to anoint every person with oil that would like to be, because oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And by faith, we're believing today that as we anoint you with oil, you will be rejuvenated. You will be refreshed. Something of your value will be revealed and just land in your spirit. And that you're going to leave this place a whole lot better than what you came in. Because I don't know about you, but I leak. I leak. You know, I experience a presence in the power of God. And then a few days later, I'm going, oh my goodness, I'm feeling a bit dry. But if I've got water running over me, I should never be dry. Should I? I should never be dry. If I've got water running through my life, living water, endless supply. So we need, I need, you need living water.